we talk the seriousness of fun as we chat to Kirsten and Matt of the Relative Miners on Benny Asking People Questions. us old enough to remember or old enough to not really want to speak about it out loud may lament the passing of a truly great moment in musical time when the airwaves and the freshly pressed CDs were filled with the likes of the Jesus and Mary Chain, Luscious Jackson, The Breeders. But have no fear for my next guests have seemed to have brought this back to us minus the angst which is perfect for our older selves and the children we wish to experience something different. The relative miners are new on the scene, but already their output is strong and brings a distinct promise, deep sonic landscapes coupled with the deep celebration of simply stuff. Things that ask us to just notice the things we may have otherwise not noticed. They are also, for me personally, the first Canadian band I've had on the show, uh, which is a personal thrill of mine. Um, So I'm very happy to welcome Kirsten and Matt uh, all the way from Ontario, Canada. That's correct? Yep. Um, From the Relative Miners, thank you for joining me today. Thank you, Benny. We're really excited to be here. Yeah, it's such a pleasure. Yeah, great. Um, now, before we get to the nitty-gritty of the actual music and everything, I want to talk about the creation of the creation of the relative miners. I mean, it all it all starts somewhere, and I'm assuming you, the two of you, have been making music for many, many years, because um, you don't just wake up and go, "Hey, let's make an album," and it sounds like the one you've made. <laughs> um, so, I'm guessing there's a history between the two of you, and you are parents with two children that apparently need lots of love and care to get to stay in their beds so where, where did it actually where did it actually start with you when did the idea germinate and then finally become the the what it is today so you say we're, we're new on the scene and that's true but the band idea has actually been around for quite a long time um we we started the relative minors back in 2011 right um and we didn't have children back then. We didn't have children back then. I know a lot of uh, children's musicians are just maybe musicians that have children and then think, maybe I could make music for these children. Absolutely. For, for us, it was, uh, it, was about, what, it was 2011, so it was four years before our first child was born. Um, we did have a three-year-old or a two-year-old, I guess, niece at the time. And we started thinking, uh, uh, actually, well, we, were, we were both musicians. Um, I grew up classically trained piano and, and voice, and Matt, um, he, he kind of learned by heart drums and, and guitar. Um, and so we thought, what could we offer to our friends and family, you know, for birthday presents and Christmas? We didn't have a lot of money. We were both students. Um, so we decided to write songs yep. for family members and friends. Um, and we did that for a couple of years. Yeah, so 2007, we made a Christmas album, actually, just classic Christmas songs for our parents for Christmas. Uh, and that was the first music. Yeah, beautiful. Yeah, so that was the first, well, that was some of the first music that we, that was the first album that we made together. We had made a couple of songs for family birthday parties. We were just newly dating at the time. Yeah, we just started dating. And, uh, <laughs> and this was, this was <laughs> part that's, of that's a, that's a, that's a, that's an enormous amount of pressure on a new relationship to go, <laughs> hey, let's sit down and start a children's, a children's band. I mean, that's a pretty, that's a very clear distinction of how you're both seeing the future's going to unfold. <laughs> Shopping today, 
I have so much to say. I bought a sweater for my dog. Mm, that's not fun. So we, we, I, had, I had actually been in a band with Kirsten's brother before this, and she did some vocals on the album that we put out, um, an indie band, I should say, like a sometimes folk rock, sometimes kind of just guitar-y indie rock band. Um, and yeah. so we'd been in the studio together even before we were dating. And so the music has kind of always been part of our relationship. And we started recording together yeah. right when we started dating. It's clearly the thing that brought you together, so it would seem to not make a lot of sense to immediately remove it once you are together. <laughs> um, so that that's actually quite a long time. Like, I mean, you're talking 2007, and your first albums came uh, has come out in 2020. So there is quite a long mm-hmm. yeah. germination period in that. I mean, what what was the what were a couple of things? What was the delay? I don't think delay. I mean, what, what, why was the time frame what it was? Um, yeah, actually, that's just the question. Why, why such a long time to get to here? We decided to, so when our niece turned three, we decided to write an album. Um, and this was... 2011. No, 11. Yeah. Um, and a lot of the songs that are on our debut album... Which is just a garage band little, cheap little demo that we made... Uh, I think nine song album with, with, with just very very minimal yeah. recording and everything. Where it was included on that album for our niece, um, and she enjoyed it so much she asked us to play her next birthday party, <laughs> and we started getting a little <laughs> on the birthday party scene. So we should say that so that original oh that original demo we wrote uh, sandwich pet and the Gr- when I grow up song for that. Yeah, those were the three original song and a few other songs have now been lost <laughs> so after that we we thought oh actually we're kind of good at this like maybe we can make something out of this we immediately dove into recording a follow-up little garage band demo album uh which we did six months later i think april 2012 we had a second album uh, or not album, but, you know, little demo recording CD called, uh, the, the album was called The Walrus That Ate All the Bananas. And uh, that song actually has pretty much the rest of the songs. That little album pretty much has the rest of the songs. There's only one, new, or there's, okay, there's three, there's one or two new songs that were recorded, written since then, basically. We ended up getting a little following from our, our city. So we were asked to play at every local festival, um, we were handing out these garage band demo CDs and parents were telling us that it was the only thing their kids would let them listen to in the car. <laughs> this is just a Excellent. little crappy little garage band recording that we made in my in our bedroom or something. <laughs> we started playing libraries and day camps. And... So it really kind of highlights um, one of the things that uh, I'm sure you asked a lot of your guests about is what's the appeal of playing of making music for children as opposed to you know the more typical being in an indie band or whatever um what we really found was there's just a really big need for it um so there was two things uh there's the the artistic side and the sort of the business side right there was really sort of a demand for it which was encouraging for us because instead of as whereas we were in an indie band you would um, ask everyone to let you play a show for free yes whereas yes now we're in a total and, and there's there's demand for it, and you're being asked to play concerts and getting paid for it. It's a 
a bit of a... Absolutely. You, you find yourself being hired by people that want to entertain the guests that are there for free and they want to put on an event as opposed to we need a band on stage so people come in and spend money at the bar. Yeah, definitely. So that was a bit of a, a bit of a shock, just the, the difference. <laughs> and we also had a lot more fun yeah. playing in a children's band yeah, than we did. Like, just from the practical side, you get to play gigs at 2 o'clock in the afternoon instead of 2 o'clock in the morning type of thing. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's totally so true. You can be home and, by, you're home and finish by midday. Once upon a time on an island in the ocean, there was a famous supermarket. Nobody knew how it got there, but they had no problem shopping at it. What is your history with children? I mean, do you, do you, are you either of you teachers? Have you spent time teaching? Do you do, uh, excuse my ignorance on the other side of the world here, do you do summer camps, those kind of things? What What's, you know, I, I don't assume you just one day went, hey, I've got a niece and nephew, let's make some music for them. <laughs> I mean, there must have been... Yeah. Something in there that are already drew you to that field. Yeah. Well, I'm actually a primary music teacher. There you go. In our public <laughs> area. <laughs> and I'm actually a, a grad student, so I teach adults. But... <laughs> yeah. Right. So, so there is there's a there's a knowledge and an understanding based around the idea of teaching. Not not that children's music is about teaching, but it is about. It's about connection. It is about forming a connection, and you you need to have that kind of understanding around connection. Yeah, is that kind of absolutely? And we also fair to say we also found the music that we wanted to create um, was just really playful and imaginative, and we wanted to just inspire kids to to play music, and that's why we called our first album "Play Music." We weren't music was the mm. message, right? The music was the message. We weren't trying to teach. Even though we're educators, we weren't right. <laughs> trying to teach necessarily words. Instrument, right? That's what our purpose is. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I look, that's actually a really common thread with educators that go into the music is because you spend most of your time actually educating during the day, you recognize and understand this idea of going, you know what, just children need to just be free of that for a moment. You know, we can't, you know, there's such a rich education in play itself. I think it's always, the educators are always the ones that kind of understand that or, or almost see the music as a chance to shirk responsibility of having to teach all the time or covertly <laughs> teach, you know? I mean, do you find that? Is it, is it an avenue for you to just go, actually, I just really want to have fun with these children that I don't get to do in my day job? Absolutely. Yeah, and for me personally, like growing up, I remember being a child, and while I, I think that, you know, there's, a, there's definitely a place for educational music. I love a lot of, like, there's, a, you know, the show Storybots. Of and, course. Um, and things like that. And I think mm. that stuff is amazing. And our, our son learned the alphabet from the Storybox ABC song. Uh, and it's effective and there's some just really great music. But that wasn't so much what we were interested in. I know as a child, like, I, I, I believe it, that children are discerning. Children have taste. And, and, you know, some love the educational stuff. Some just want to listen to dancing music. Uh, and personally, as a child, I wasn't looking for music that was moralizing or educational. I just really liked music and and fun and imagination and things like that so that's kind of yeah i mean and there's space for all of it you know what i mean but i think i think in in having space for all the educational side of things you need to have space for the the chance to not have that to just engage in in the nonsensical and engage in the lunacy of life because let's face it it's particularly 
crazy and it has been in particular in the last year. So, you know, hey, let's embrace yeah. nonsense because we, we need a bit of it. <laughs> I also have the benefit because I teach uh, grade one to grade six. Um, I have the benefit of pointing out our songs for different age groups. Um, and what I find interesting, my young guys, they just love, they just love me to sit and play with them, right? Just sing and play music. My older guys are really, really interested in the behind the scenes, the songwriting. Uh, we do music videos. Mm. You know, they want to know all of the components of, of the music videos and how we put it together. And so we find as children's musicians, we're trying to broaden the range of children that are interested in, in our music. A lot of children's bands, um, the demographic changes quite quickly, right? The turnover because the kids, they, they kind of aim for really young children. And kids just keep aging. <laughs> yep. So we really wanted to, to kind of... <laughs> <laughs> Funny that. Broaden our writing down, not speaking down to children, right? Um, we want to be yeah. and we know a lot of the jokes go over some of the young guys' heads. Um, but the older kids, they get it and they appreciate it. Yeah, well, that, that was actually one of my, that was oddly my next question. I mean, where, what, where do you pitch yourself or do you not pitch yourself to an age group? Do you just create a song and see where it sits? Because the other thing is we, we don't necessarily have it over here in this country, although I'm doing my best to create it. We don't really have the idea of family music. We just kind of call it children's music. And that's, um, mm-hmm. hey, there's a lot of uh, very deep emotional reasons for that that I won't go into now. But it, I, I do know in America there's a big prevalence of the concept of family music and mm-hmm. I would assume you have something similar in Canada as well. I mean, where do you where do you feel the relative minors sit? I mean, do you sit with that six to seven, four to seven, or are you aiming higher or are you just going, hey, here's a song, who's into it? That's a good question. Uh, we, yeah, we, we like it. Like here's one thing, we, we try to be fairly broad. And um, it's, it's a little bit of a, a cliche, I think, for children's bands to say we write music for children that grown-ups will also like. Like you probably heard people say this, um, but mm. but uh, it's it, there's a, there's truth to it as well. Like we we really think that our main demographic is the children, but we try to put enough thought and enough work into it that that you know the parents will be will be into it as well, um, and we'll we'll hear things and maybe it, maybe it'll it'll spur like the, the lyrics, which are, you know, we use five syllable words and things like that. Um, the, the line I always point to is uh, in the walrus song, how the primate supposed to get his potassium fix. Like, like no three-year-old's going to know what, what, what that's about. Uh, <laughs> but we, but we do aim for, you know, we, we try to, like you were saying, kind of meet in between the parents and the children and have, have something that they can both enjoy and that maybe we'll, for some conversations about why this this lyric is what this lyric means, or 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 you know what this joke means, or or something like that. <laughs> let's let's get into play music because um. You know, it's looking, looking, just doing a little bit of research into the the two of you. Not that it was particularly eclectic, but as you've pointed out, it's it's kind of been a long germinating process that's kind of accumulated, I guess, in what you might ostensibly call a debut release, even though it's a debut made up of over a decade of recordings. <laughs> um, 
And now, straight off the top, I, I, I'm calling this a rock album. Yeah, yep. We'd agree with you there. We, we usually refer to ourselves as a rock band for, ch- for rock children. Rock band for kids, yeah. Which which we don't have in Canada, really. There's not a lot of... Yeah, we, we kind of see that as part of the appeal of the Relative Minors. Is in, so in Canada, we're lucky because we have some of the great solo and duos, Sharon Lowe and Bram, uh, we have Raffi. Raffi, we have Fred Penner, Raffi we have these Bear. great worldwide names. Yeah. Um, but there isn't really uh, a rock band. And for me personally, as a child, I was really intrigued and drawn to the idea of a rock band of a group of artists collaborating together and making something um so that's that's kind of the idea behind the relative minors that's what we like to make the type of music music we were into has always been like rock music uh older rock music like you were alluding to at the beginning and some some modern stuff as well um and the bands the members of the bands as well have a very broad range of tastes from everything from heavy metal to folk music um, so we, and, and one of the nice things about children's music, uh, that a lot of people bring up is, is you're able to play around with different genres. Um, but we also really want to have, so our, our goal is to have, we really enjoy being able to do that, getting into, we have a hip hop part in one song. We have, we, we play with some jazz and some funk, uh, elements and things like that. Uh, but we really aim to be just have, have our, cohesive yeah, have a yeah. cohesive sound and, and sort of rock is just the way we have always expressed ourselves musically. Yeah, t- t- totally. I mean, there, there's an enormous freedom in children's music because there's zero expectations. You know, I think, I think, um, you know, a child's going to like it or they're not, and and it does not get any more complicated than that. You know what I mean? And and I think, from that perspective, there is a lot of freedom as a musician to only, you, you know, you you really. Although it's wonderful to have a body of work presented in an album, you can do it in a series of singles, which you did. You know, you released a bunch of singles last uh, 2019 before the album came out, mm-hmm. which yeah. which ended up on the album and subsequently the old ones. But that's the joy of it, isn't it? You really can just go song for song and, you know, it's, it's quite liberating as an artist to have that freedom. Or, or did the two of you find that deathly frightening? <laughs> I'd say liberating is the right word. Yeah, um, yeah. Earlier I was talking about the, the practical advantages to playing children's music, playing shows at 2 o'clock in the afternoon and things like that. But it wasn't only the practical side that drew it to us. It, it, it really came, Once we started doing it, it really came natural and sort of opened up this, this, uh, this spring of creativity that we didn't really know was there necessarily. Like, personally, mm-hmm. I find it difficult to write songs for adults. Kirsten's really good at it. She could write six hit songs in an afternoon. Uh, but personally, I, I I find it much easier to write. Just like you said, there's, there's fewer expectations, and, uh, mm. and and I feel I, I always felt being in a, a serious I'm doing air quotes a serious band. You just kind of had to you had to you had to present yourself as if it was something serious. Um, and I just really enjoy making music and the play aspect of making music. So that I felt like was was more acceptable in the children <laughs> yeah yeah And, and I think ultimately that's the thing that kind of makes it a bit, makes it a hard genre to to kind of get across to adults because 
particularly adult musicians, because, and I too will use the um, inverted my fingers as, as quotation marks, the because you you it there is an immediate assumption that children's music is dumbed down, that it's simple, that it's basic, that there's no depth. And so as a musician, you're constantly trying to convince other musicians that do serious grown-up music that just as much thought goes into children's music. And, and I must say, in the in the past sort of several years that the music that's come out of of all countries i mean I, i'm you know i'm quite fortunate enough to be across sort of what's going on around the the globe and the complexity that's being created is just is is so so much more superior than the stuff i hear on the radio for 18 year olds um <laughs> But we just don't, we're just not paying attention to that complexity, you know what I mean? We, we pay attention to words like I was in the library and there was a dragon, whereas we're not listening to the, 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 the depth of the sound that goes on. One thing I do love about what you do, and this is more a question for you, Kirsten, is um, when you have two, I guess, front singers, and, and, and you, the two of you do touch on it a little bit, but it seems to have, been, it seems to have drifted away in the, in the later stuff, is... Um, stuff being my uh, beautiful Australian term for quality music, um, is this idea that ordinarily, particularly when there is a, a female involved, the female is usually the voice of reason and the boy usually comes in and is the chaotic one who says, hey, let's you know grab the matches and burn things and it's the female that has to go, hang on, let's think about that. Is that safe? Um Whereas you've you've really, what I love about the two of you is you've both completely just engaged in this idea of just stuff, just nonsense, just silliness, just <laughs> hey, look over there, that's just crazy, and um, and it's it's it sounds trite to say, but it's really rewarding and a really reaching thing to hear, and I didn't realise it was going to be so rewarding when I heard it. Did you or have you spent time trying to define how the two of you interact with each other or how you are presented within the relative minor's makeup or is it just you're in a room and, again, it works how it works and that's how it is? I think with each individual song, we kind of take on a role within that and tell a story and take on different characters outside of the relative minors, if that makes sense. Yep. Um, so with... Sandwich, I did kind of play more of the straight man, um, and the boys were being really silly. But in Kings of Swing, for example, I haven't done that music video yet, um, but Matt takes on that serious role of being the teacher in the room, right? And then I come in in the chorus and, and just talk about all these silly dances that the historical figures did, right? So, yeah, so I don't think we want to nail ourselves down to a particular role. I think we, we kind of improv or act out each of the songs as their own story. Yeah. And then Pet, the Pet song, for instance, Kirsten's dreaming about being a pet and just being ridiculous. <laughs> and then I, I'm like, this is not a good idea. <laughs> I'm sort of playing yeah. the, in the in the mix, the down-to-earth character. Um, so, we, yeah, we flip-flop around. And we, we try not to pigeonhole um, too much, like, like, for example, the song Fun, F-U-N spells fun. Uh, it was Kirsten and our other singer, Daniel, that were the leads on that. Uh, but um, And they're both a little bit ridiculous, um, if you've heard that one. Um, but 
we actually originally wrote, uh, as, uh, as a way of showing that we don't like to pigeonhole ourselves too much, we originally wrote me singing, so I used to be the lead vocal on the, on the, the male part. Um, we originally wrote me singing about playing soccer baseball or kickball as it's known in other parts of the world. Uh, and Kirsten yep. singing about shopping. And then we said, oh, we can't have the woman shopping and the man playing kickball. That's too that's too straightforward. Let's, let's swap. Let's swap. <laughs> so we traded verses. And <laughs> and so it's a little bit fluid like that. Like, it's like, one of my favorite lines to sing. Shopping is a bore even in space. <laughs> that's not my idea. For the identification of fun Ultra dictionaries is the definitions buried There's a million ways to have it now have you, have you started writing a second album? The only reason I ask is I mean, hey, it took you, with all due respect, 18 <laughs> years to do the first one. But um, <laughs> um, the only reason I ask is because, you know, as you, as you mentioned before, there's things like Grown Up, Pet Sandwich that, that had existed for a while that you then released as singles and then came in as part of the album. Um, but they, to me, felt more standardised children's tunes. Yeah. Now, I don't mean cliche. I just mean they existed in what I would say is a more – predictable children's world and then the late the rest of the songs off that album that have clearly been written subsequently uh, later feel like there's more of you coming through like going back to the idea of rock there there's more of a solidification of style in the rest of the songs whereas those three did and I wrote that down literally those those um, pet sandwich and grown up I wrote those down they stood out differently like you had come at them from a different angle now that you've done it, the first album's out and you're watching people respond, are you working on a second album? And, and is, has, the, has the first one dictated how you're approaching the next one? My God, that was such a big question. Sorry, I, I need to have a rest. <laughs> no problem. That. The second album is actually written. Uh, we've already recorded four songs. When we do our recording, we, we record uh, four songs at a time and then we take a couple months break and then come back to it record another four um until we have wow. i think we have 12 songs for a yeah, second we album. have a 12 song album that i think we have one more song we want to write for it everything else is written and i would say all of the songs wow. on the album are, are in our what i would call our 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 current relative minor style yeah rocky and uh and yeah we're we're definitely kind of Facing our horizons. We're really the, excited about it. The, We've been sitting on these songs for a long time, and what it is is we just finally have money. <laughs> yeah, we're kind of into a, sure. a, a well, phase of life where we can afford to do things a little more professionally than just a garage band. So. Well, yeah, well, I was going to say, are you recording at home, or are you now talking about properly using a studio to record? Because I get the sense, like, see, with your rock elements and your your garage sort of feel. Um, and now I just want to make it clear: garage does not indicate the quality. I mean, I think I think the music's great, but it is. But you know, you you are sitting in a genre that's very well defined by you know do-it-yourself attitude. Are you doing a lot of this yourself, or are you now actually like you say you've got money? You're going in and sitting in a studio because because the other thing I hear about your songs is I hear you write you laying down the bass parts or or the actual just the backbone of the songs, and then I imagine the two of you having a lot of fun just sitting around randomly layering it with stuff because they're very layered. This is incredibly layered, yeah. complex stuff in some of there. And I get the sense that you really get a lot of joy out of that. 
Absolutely. Our motto has been that every instrument um, needs to have a purpose. And every, like, we don't want to, we don't want to just be playing chords, right? We don't want to, we want every instrument to really have a purpose and have like a very specific melody or harmony or whatever. Um, we write our demos in Logic right now. Um, and we really sit down and spend a lot of time and we just, the two of us go through and we hum different bass lines, put it in. That doesn't sound right. Go back and change it. And you're right. We layer one at a time and we, we just really tweak for a few weeks. We make pretty solid demos. We're, we're to the mm -hmm. stage, we're making very solid demos that are kind of fully formed and we put a lot of thought into. And it's convenient that we are married. Yeah. As, we are married as the, the primary, <laughs> the songwriters for the band. It's convenient <laughs> that we're able to keep things moving from <laughs> from home. I know, you're, you're, you're in the only relationship in the world where you're both happy to eat um, uh, cereal for dinner out of a bowl in front of Logic while you uh, build songs. <laughs> Yeah. I don't think there's any other marriage in the world where that would be um, acceptable. <laughs> Rain was done. She did the Charleston, the jitterbug, the hustle fox rat, the bunny hop, the chicken dance, the monkey robot. She did the boogie woogie pop, hula mambo and chai. Saturday night fever, staying alive. Let's talk about the lyrics for a minute because I kind of... They're, they're a huge element to relative minors, and I, it was a, it was a, I found it a bit tricky to reconcile the lyrics, and, and I certainly don't mean this in a bad way. I just mean in a bit of a joyous, unidentifiable way, and I think you touched on it earlier, but like, you know, like a, a, a classic example is, um, is, um, is uh, Why Spy? You know, you got I'm I'm undercover over my head. I've been detected since I defected. You've got the CIA, you got jail, FBI. You are, and it's a real common thread. This is an extreme version of the busyness in your music, but it's but it's a good example of, um, you know, you do use these large words, and they're often quite really quickly delivered. Um, is this part of just who you are? Is this a considered thing? Have you, what's the response been from children? And again, I guess it goes back to 16-year-olds are going to be different to a five-year-old, but, you know, it's a common thread through a lot of your songs, this really quick, fire, rapid, big, like you were saying before, five-syllable words. <laughs> yeah, I, so I write probably the majority of the lyrics. Um, and a lot of, I should say that personally, well, I think for both of us, we don't, we don't have, a, have a formula for writing songs. We don't go about it in a particular way as, as a rule. Uh, but for the most part, the music tends to come first. So that song was actually uh, just a pentatonic riff that I used to play back in my indie band days that was never turned into a song. That riff kind of toward the beginning, that do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do. Um, can, can I just interrupt? Can I just interrupt you, Matt? And I just want to point out quickly, did you ever think you would be referring to a pentatonic riff while discussing your children's music? Because I think that might be a personal win. That might be a personal win for me in uh, getting someone to getting someone to take their children's music seriously. You have just referred to your pentatonic scale. So there you go. Keep going. <laughs> sure. Um, yeah. So like I said, the music always comes first. And I, I do have a bit of it, – it's, it's strange, just as a, as a tangent, if you don't mind. It's kind of strange because, mm. as I said, Kirsten is, is like formally trained – 
uh, a formerly trained singer, formerly trained piano player. I learned kind of the new fashioned way where I, I just learned to play the drums in high school, learned to play the guitar in high school. And uh, I think, and so, but the weird thing is, is that Kirsten very much writes and plays by feel, whereas I think a little bit more about the theory side. Um, and I think part of the, I've been reflecting on this recently, why, why it seems to be switched like that. And Kirsten just has a natural talent that I admire and don't really have. Um, and she can, you know, come into the studio without practicing and bang out a piano part that's beautiful, uh, just based on ear, like just based on feeling. Whereas I, I didn't have the, the childhood where I practiced an instrument every day. So I had to sort of, so I learned to play the guitar and I, I, I could practice a lot or I could also, you know, offset my limitations by, by learning kind of the theory side, by learning uh, how things work in a technical way. Um, and so, sure. so I, so I kind of came, you know, I'm pretty good at learning. Uh, I'm less disciplined at practicing, though I, I think I've learned to play guitar fairly well. Um, but, uh, but anyways, that's, that's kind of why I, <laughs> just to your offhanded comment and offhanded tangent as to why I <laughs> refer to a pentatonic riff in one of our songs. But, <laughs> uh, and we'll talk about it. Brilliant. <laughs> yeah. Similar with you as well, Kirsten, because I know you also play, are you classically piano or are you a, was it a xylophone or glockenspiel I saw? Um, I, I'm classically trained in piano, um, but I play glockenspiel, I play ukulele, I play guitar. Um, yeah, basically. All oh, right, so everything, <laughs> very, so everything I just, <laughs> I'm not being very yeah, basically everything I just says a lot. <laughs> That's being very modest when he says he's not very good. He, he does have a, a natural talent. He is pretty talented. <laughs> why, why, thank you. <laughs> yeah, and, and just quietly, Kiss, I think he was waiting for you to jump in and say that, so I'm glad we, we managed to get that out of the way. So good, 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 um, good, good partner coverage there. Well done. Um, just, just then quickly, Matt, if you're the lyric person, how much fun was it to write lyrics to Stone Age Rockstar? <laughs> it, was, it was a blast. Actually, um, so that was, a song. So I, uh, I, I mentioned earlier that I played in lots of indie bands, but I always wanted to be a little less serious. Um, so I actually played in a number of ska bands, which kind of toes that line a little bit. Um, and uh, that the structure of Stone Age Rockstar was a song that I'd written for a ska band, never had lyrics, never used. Uh, and then it was tucked away in, in the back of my brain for, I guess, 10 years or something. Uh, and then finally, when we got to that second demo CD, I just kind of dumped a lot of stuff that I've been that I tucked away uh, and turned it into some cool songs. Um, but yeah, it was it was a blast to write. I remember we had an idea. We I think Kirsten and the night together wrote the first verse, and then uh, uh, I was like, "How am I going to write a chorus about a dinosaur rock band?" Um, and then I think we were shopping one time, and I'm not uh, despite 
despite uh, the lyrics of the other song, Fun, that I mentioned earlier. I'm not a huge fan of shopping. Mm. Kirsten was trying to find some clothes, and I, <laughs> and I was waiting outside the change room, and I was I, I had a great idea for the chorus for Stone Age Rockstar. And uh, and so it, 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 it stemmed from the idea of chorus, and of course lots of dinosaurs rhyme with chorus. <laughs> so what, I thought, wouldn't it be great if someone, some dinosaur was belting out the chorus that was kind of the nugget of the, that chorus, and then I was like, "Oh, el- a belting that rhymes with Elton," and there's a there's a rock reference, sure, and then it kind of yeah. kind of built from, and and the, yeah, uh, the line I never thought I'd see a triceratops on top of the pop. Love that line. <laughs> and uh, and yeah, I was just really playing playing with, as I think like a lot of children's musicians do, is just playing with the sounds of words and trying to make something that that sounds kind of gripping for children, but also has sort of a a meaning that they can sort of grasp. <laughs> but yeah, it was, uh, to answer your question, it was a lot of fun to write. <laughs> There's a there's a there's a very famous mu- uh, children's musician over here that's been at it for many many years and he's, he was a real um, pioneer of it all named Peter Coombe and he um, he I interviewed him and he had this great moment where he talked about because he's quite known for his absurdity he's he's beautifully mad and he um, and he made this comment about a lot of his biggest songs he was like. You know, people always ask me, why is that word there? And he said, and I, there was no reason. It just sounded good. It just happened to be in the chorus and became the number one word that everyone shouted. And he said, but, you know, there's one particular song he's got called Newspaper Mama. And everyone's like, why is it? Why are you talking to your mama? What? And he's like, well, it's just because Newspaper Mama sounded funny when I said it. Like it's, and that's his ethos. It's just this pure celebration of the way the words come out and 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 wrap themselves around your tongue as you say them you know and and I think it's really beautiful and it's quite interesting because that plays strongly into a lot of the lyrics that you do i mean one thing i really love about your your songs and i guess the lyrical content is there's just this absurdity of direction like this idea like sandwich library even fun you know we start with this uh, what Again, is just a pretty standard topic. Hey, it's a sandwich. <laughs> and, you know, hey, it's a library. But then all of a sudden it's just about a dragon and, you know what I mean? Like it's – it's. I, I found myself so often going, well, that's not really what I expected. Um, <laughs> is that – again, is that just you or is that you two going together, oh, look, libraries are good, but wouldn't it be a little bit more interesting if there was a dragon? You know what? It's kind of funny because Library was, was the song uh, of that album that I started writing on my own. Um, Library and Play Music were two that were just um, that I had written, but I was really stuck with Library. I wrote the first verse um, and the chorus, and I was really stuck with the second verse, and it was kind of turning out to be more of a typical children's song. And Matt, Matt he likes to take a concept and just flip it on its head. <laughs> so that's uh, I, I, can, I, I can tell. I gave it to him, and he, and he came back to me with the dragon, and it just it was it was what needed to be said. Uh, I think it was at a point where we hadn't. It was pretty early on still, and we hadn't really developed our band personality yet. And I was really gunning for lots of humor, whereas Kirsten is, is a very funny person. I should say she's hilarious, but she was she was like, I just want to write some some great tunes. Like it doesn't have to always be funny. I think she said word for word to me at one time. 
<laughs> and the library song, the library song, I didn't find particularly funny. I mean, it was a great song. I think it's one of it's one of my favorite songs on the album, but it just wasn't funny. So I, I, I was like, I'm going to write a second verse, and it's just I'm going to make something ridiculous happen. <laughs> and it, it was that's what we got. Well, you, you, yeah, you did. You managed to do that perfectly. Um, it is incredibly ridiculous. So that like another really beautiful one for me was fun, and and I find it so interesting because it's not about fun. It's not actually yeah. about having fun. It's about the the yeah. notion, or 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 you know, like it, it it is it is fundamentally about define. It's it's got it's about talking about fun is individual, and it's just whatever you want it to be. I mean that line. Your imagination is the best qualification for the identification of fun. All a dictionary says definitions vary. There's a million different ways, not one. I mean, it's so beautiful, albeit super crazy quick. It is just, it's so, like, it, it really sums up a lot of your stuff. I mean, your your your, your music is, is about, like, I think that's the other really interesting thing is, you know, we had that conversation at the top of the interview where you talked about you don't overtly educate and, you know, we agree there's a place for that, but it's not necessarily your bag. But then weirdly all your songs have this subtext. <laughs> on the on the on the on that surface they're all just about nonsense and stuff. I mean, I just use the word stuff because that covers everything. Um <laughs> but you know, like just that but there is always these little moments in there that just kind of go, stuff's really quite extraordinary. Just kind of let it be your own. And that, and that line in fun really sums it up for me. Sums up the whole album, I think, because it's just, it's all really individual, just whatever. You know, if, if you're in the library and there's a dragon, so what? You know, if you're eating a sandwich and want to make it grow, like it's just... I don't know. It's, it's it's I don't know. It's hard to explain. It's not even imagination. It's purely just this idea of if you just look a little bit deeper to everything, mm-hmm. everything's quite personal. You know, everything is really personal, and you can connect with it in your own individual way. Now, as a forty-seven-year-old man sitting in Sydney, Australia, is it possible I'm reading too much into it? I don't think you are. I think we really pour our souls into these songs. Um, and we want to create something that's lasting, right? A lot of pop music today is, and I don't want to say this lightly, but almost throwaway music comes on the radio. It's there for 40 weeks and it's gone. Um, children will sing a song, you know, I don't want to name songs, but, you know, Baby Shark or something like that. And then the next year it's just, <laughs> it's gone. Baby Shark's been around for a while. But we just really want to create something that's a little more lasting, and pouring ourselves into the songs and, and, and maybe, yes, having some deeper subtext, I think helps just create that 
Yeah. Yeah. Nice answer. Sure. Beautiful. I have nothing to say after that. That's just great. Um, <laughs> look, it is. It is. It is a particularly. I feel fun share sends it a bit short, but it is a very fun album. It's fun to be, it's fun to be a part of as a listener. I think it's much, it's very fun to be surrounded by the music when I was listening to it. I felt I felt I was part of it, which I think's really, which is part of that kind of rock garage rock culture anyway. I mean, it is about everyone just sort of sitting around and being part of it. And I think it's really a strength in what the um, relative minors do. I think it's a really beautiful thing. And, you know, I, I, I listened to Favourite Hats the other day, which hasn't been recorded. Well, it hasn't been released, sorry. And, or just Hats, I think it's called. Um, yeah. And what I what I loved it what I loved about it was the it was the only insight I could find in what was coming or where you had moved to, and it just the music was so beautiful and I found that the two of you were really comfortable in that delivery. Um, so yeah, look, I'm I'm really excited. I'm really grateful for the album that you've made. Um, and I'm glad I didn't find out about you in in 1978 when you started, because um, it would have been very frustrating to have to wait <laughs> 40 odd years for the album. So I'm glad I just found it the other day and went, great, it's all here. Um, but yeah, it's really beautiful, and I thank you. And and look, I'm really excited about what's coming next. You know, I mean, the, if hats anything to go by. As a last question. Um, what do you, knowing where you're, only you know where your music's headed and only you know in the heart of it what you're sort of trying to say and I can articulate it in your quiet time in your own head, what do you hope the audience or the children are going to get from what's to come from the Relative Minors? Um, well, I think the the album title is kind of our philosophy, right? Play music. It's our starting point. It's music is play. Uh, and like I said about trying to be in a serious band, which never really felt very natural to me, um, just because we're having so much fun that we want to uh, acknowledge the fact that we're playing. And I think that's a really interesting point where we can meet children. Um, it's, it's, you know, children understand play. As adults, we kind of forget it. But music is a place where... Um, where adults can play and it's, it's acceptable and also kind of relate to the children. And children's music really kind of solidifies that, that uh, connection. And so the album Play Music, it's, it's, it's the title. It's kind of where we started. And I think it's going to be the, the sort of the motto going forward is play yeah. and music and play yeah. music. I think it's just what we love to do most. And we want to do it for as long as we, we can possibly do it for as long as people let us do it. Um, and I think, I know you said fun really summed up what our band kind of felt like. Um, I also want to bring up the, 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 the outro of Grown Up, where we say, um, well, we're already grown up. Well, what do you, what do you, what do you think about what you're doing now? Well, when I grow up, I want to sing a song about When I grow up, I want to sing a song. We just want to keep yeah. doing this. <laughs> um, well, it comes through and it's great. And, um, you know, I I actually first thought in my head this would be a pretty quick interview, but we've now pushed an hour. 
Um, which is great because it's always nice to be lost in the conversation. Um, thank you so much for taking your time today to speak with me and share what the relative miners are doing and more importantly, where you're heading. And um, yeah, thanks for the thanks for the music. Thank you. It's, thank been, you a, so much. it's been lots of fun. If you'd like to know more about The Relative Miners, then head along to their Facebook page, at The Relative Miners. And of course, for more Benny Time goodness, head along to www.bennytime.com. Thanks for listening to me, Benny, Ask People Questions. Wow.